Would you feel like you were misled by that trailer? Like, no, you just felt like you you bought two entertainment products, right? One was right. free. That was awesome. The other one you had to pay for. That was less Medium. awesome. But, I was I, <laughs> For know. me, it was more like, I want to buy this game so that these people make more trailers. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 108 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the uh, noble cross-site scripter. I'm Sam and who knows? You're salmon. You were just eating some salmon I jerky. Salmon jerky. Did you know that Did you can you turn know? fish into jerky? I thought this was just like a beef related situation. Now it's just in all the things. Now if you just make something dry enough, it becomes jerky. Did you know that Death Valley is just one giant piece of jerky. Did you know that? That's I true, feel like actually. you can tell the moral compass of a civilization is shifting the more things they allow the to more be things, called jerky. The more, well, it's more, the more things they turn into jerky. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's when you know the fabric of society is really tearing it's apart. But it's really, seeds. it's just the inevitable consequence of global warming. It is. Because you know, everything is so hot. Just get it dry, just becomes know? jerky. Also <laughs> of watering your lawn. Yeah. Oh, also, today is July 25th, 2017. Before we actually get started, uh, we are going to be swearing. So if you don't like, you know, that kind of stuff, or if you're a baby, then get out. Get Unfortunately, out some extra work to do because to go back and insert some swears into that couple minutes that we had before mm-hmm. the warning. We do. And then we have to move the warning before the swears. It's very complicated. You guys don't even know how much time goes into editing this podcast. It's like going back Neither in time. Neither do we. Neither do we because we don't edit it. So <laughs> it's uh, so thanks, Fat Bar, for assume, taking that off our hands. We assume it's a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> all right. So listen, listen. Hmm. But some things happened this past week. Two two things of note. All right. So uh, last week we were working on artificial intelligence for our strategy game. And this sort of turned into a, a rapidly turned into a combinatorial explosion problem. Okay. So you can play cards in this game and you can throw a sort of like a hammer object and you have five cards to choose from. And the problem we kept running into was the AI was so dumb and it would it just kept doing the wrong things. Right. I mean, what was the AI doing? It was doing. It was playing cards that well, it didn't make sense to play. It was wasting. I mean, like, them. What did you tell it to do? I guess is, is what I'm getting at. Like, what what was the rule that it lived by? The the AI would it would just kind of would uh, it would look at sort of a fairly sort of static set of priorities mm-hmm. attached to each card, and then just depending on what cards it had, it would play that card. The problem is the the gameplay is dynamic, right? The what's happening on the board and what your opponent has and all this other stuff um, need to be considered when deciding what card to play. Otherwise, you'll end up wasting it. So a great example is there may be a character that has one HP and all you have to do to kill it is just throw the hammer at it. But the AI would play a multi-hammer card and overclock it so that it was throwing five hammers at once and then just throw those five hammers on the one <laughs> on the one character. So very, very costly and wasteful. Very, very wasteful, yeah. yeah. And so as we discussed last week, in a strategy game where every move matters, doing something like that instead of throwing five hammers across the whole board and sweeping the board clear um, is just a bad move. So I dedicated my weekend to trying to solve this problem. And I kept going deeper and deeper into combinatorial explosion territory. So 20 hours in, I'm several thousand lines of code deep into this AI. And the problem is just getting worse and worse and worse. So while I'm working on this problem, uh, my wife goes to a tennis tournament and she's an all-star tennis player. She grew up playing tennis. She was a national champion in India, which spoiler alert, there's a shitload of people in India. So if you're <laughs> pretty good, good, if you're at the yeah. top level out of that many people, you're at least pretty good. Uh, and so she's been playing uh, tennis here in St. Louis. And over the past year, she's gotten a little bit sort of like, she's got some like, psychological turbulence about her tennis game. 
And she's just been having a really hard time enjoying it and kind of coming home upset about her performance and all this stuff. And it all comes kind of down to the stress that that she's been under of feeling like she's supposed to be one of the best players around um, and then sort of applying that pressure to herself when it comes to being so focused on winning. Right. And uh, so we had the conversation before she went to a tournament on Saturday and she said she finally said, you know what, I don't care about winning. I'm not going to focus on on the outcome. I'm just going to hit each shot. I'm going to play the best I can. And I'm just going to sort of live in the moment and not stress about all the things that could go wrong and whatever. Right. Um, Maybe she said she's going to have fun. She's just going to go have fun. Right. So she goes and plays this match. Just annihilates everybody. Just turns them into a fine human paste. paste. Yes. Uh, <laughs> nice. I so unfortunately didn't also say she, the same She, come, no, she comes home. She comes home just beaming and she's super pumped. Covered about, in human paste. Covered in, in just, just gore. It's just, <laughs> it's like, it's like she got home from a, like a meat locker. You know? <laughs> um, and she was just beaming and talking about how that was like the best tennis she's ever played. And she was just really proud of herself. And, and she attributed to the fact that she was, uh, focused more on just what was happening right now and not try, not getting overwhelmed with trying to consider all the ways in which she could screw up and lose. Right. And so, uh, so I bring Adam and Sam over the next day to talk about this AI problem because my approach to the AI was let's calculate literally every possible thing that the AI can do, find the best thing that it can do that would sort of give it the best outcome, uh, and then pick that thing. But this was getting more and more and more complicated and so in the process of talking to Adam and Sam about this problem, uh, we also ended up talking about this tennis thing. And then there was kind of a light bulb moment where we were like, wait a minute, what if the AI is doing the same thing where it's basically getting dumber and, and worse at the game because we're trying to focus so hard on the outcomes of what it's doing? And what if instead we just try to figure out what if the AI just had fun? Mm-hmm. What if the AI just had a set of principles for itself? So maybe this AI is like, I love hitting people with hammers yeah yeah that's so just fucking that's just it. my jam any chance i get <laughs> to hit someone with a hammer i'm just gonna do it because it's yeah. just it fills that's my soul my thing and if i win or lose i don't care because i did the best i had a great time i could which mostly involved me hitting people with hammers okay? <laughs> um and well, so, the idea is that this is how we all play video games too right and we were talking about how pick a, you pick a route yeah, you right. pick a thing that, I, that that you actually want to get out of it. So if you are me and terrible at basically every game because you don't put in enough time to not be, um, then you choose some other you choose some other thing that is is your goal, right? So maybe it's explore the entirety of the world that you're that you're inside of, right? Yeah. Or you start playing Skyrim and you go, "I'm never going to use a weapon. Yep. I'm going to punch everything." Right. Even though that's mm-hmm. probably one of the least effective strategies, especially when it comes to fighting dragons. It is very fun. But it yes. makes it interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now, yeah, now you'd like, you didn't win any more or less than somebody else who also completed the game. And you made it way harder for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what you did is you, you set a new goal that just for you was interesting for some reason. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what made the thing be fun. So what if, yeah. AI, what if AI just, you know, just did the same thing? So the, yeah. So, we, you know, and the idea may be like, what if you're going to play against these different characters in the game and stuff, and they all have different sort of things that they like and different ways that they approach playing the game and yeah, they'll have some sort of underlying fundamental principles about like what makes a decision better or worse. So we'll try to keep them from doing really stupid yeah, we'll stop things. Them from doing just idiotic stuff that no yeah. one would actually do. So, mm-hmm. so the rules, should, the, the two rules will be don't be an idiot, but also have a good time. It's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good life. Intelligence out, life that's stuff. just how you make, that's how you make an AI. Yeah. 
So and an eye. Yep. Mm, you know? Yep. So that's where we're at uh, with game stuff. And then we have one other really important news item, Very which important. is it. So Sam went to the dentist last week. Yeah. So, so I haven't been since I think 2015, which spoiler alert, you should go every year at least. Especially if dentist, you've had chemo. Especially if you've had a lot of chemo. In your I believe body. the dentist says every six months. Of course they say that. They get paid every time. Yeah, so there's, there's yeah. just part of the, the dentist industrial company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conspiracy theory. So so I finally went back to the dentist and uh, they did a I have, I have one of my back molars, which has a, a filling on it. So that means that they carved out a piece of it. As opposed to your front gross. molars, which are right. Yeah, um, weird. But they car- <laughs> carved out a piece of it at some Sam's point. Front molars are very weird. Yeah. And they and they uh put like a little bit of like cement basically in there to fill it up. So, so they were like they had a wheelbarrow and they were mixing concrete. It was very they uncomfortable. Just slapped it on there yeah. and troweled it. Yep. Troweled it right up in your face. And so uh, I got I've been having a little bit of sensitivity in that one tooth, which usually means that something with that is, you know, cracked or broken or whatever. So they did an x-ray and they find uh, lo and behold, there's what's what's called a void in my tooth. A space void. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or just a space, I guess. Just a space. Yeah. So uh <laughs> But they, they saw that this was, it was actually still there even on the x-rays they had from like two years ago when the last time it was, I went to the dentist. So, so it was nothing new, but the dentist was like, mm, it might just be the case that like something finally got in there essentially. And now it's sort of making your tooth kind of there. So, so I said, do you guys have time? Can you just, can we just get this done right now? Cause I got time. Cause we have Fridays off. So uh, they said, yes. So they threw me in the other room uh, and then started, uh, which I didn't realize it was going to require, but um, they were like, all right, we're going to numb you up. And any of you who've had dental work done, you know that if you get numbed up, it just like your face is going to be kind of weird. Doesn't work super great. If you have that situation where like you kind of forget about it, you try to drink out of a straw and the liquid just like shoots all over the place, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, or the uh, straw is just like poked into your cheek and you're like, I'm pretty sure that's in my mouth. And it turns out you're <laughs> actually just drinking your own cheek juice. Yeah. yeah. It's real gross. <laughs> so, so I, uh, I, I hadn't really thought about what was happening after the dentist appointment. Which is that I you're just live it in the moment. I'm just you're living just, in the moment. You know, you're just having fun playing tennis. Damn right. You know? And you know, my priority was like, <laughs> if I can take care of this today, that's my principle that I'm operating on. You know, the convenience of not having to come back to the dentist. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Sign me up. You know, shoot you're me up. Here, whatever. Have a good time. Uh, the, the activity I had to do after this was to go uh, to a photo shoot where I had to smile. So basically, what happens is I get jacked <laughs> up with lidocaine. And then, uh, you know, they let you sit there for a while while it sort of soaks in. They do the work. Everything goes fine. And I head out and I was under the impression that that sort of the lidocaine is strongest at its early stages. No. But the reality is that it, so it, it is strongest in the sense that it works and you're numb. But the reality is that it, it constantly sort of like just keeps on seeping into your tissues. Mm-hmm. From Spreads. The point. And so basically what happened is actually as I, as I got closer to the time of the photo shoot, more and more of my face was getting numb. <laughs> Just on one side. So again, you forgot the golden rule of being an AI, which is don't be an idiot. <laughs> don't, don't overclock your hammers. That's right. And use it when you don't need That's to. That's right. So you I, overclocked your cheek. Yeah. Now. And now I couldn't feel it. <laughs> and so I go in. I go in to do this photo shoot thing. And I'm just like, I got in a coffee right beforehand because it was on top of like a coffee shop. And the straw thing happened. When that was when I realized, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so as you were drinking your cheek juice. You yeah, were like, I was like, as, something... you, as you're pouring scalded coffee onto the side of your face <laughs> in the midst of your photo I'm shoot. I'm like, this is not going to go well. I feel like this is bad. Um, so I ended up doing that thing where you, you sort of smile with your eyes. I think it's uh, Tyra Banks. Smize. Yeah. Um, so I tried, <laughs> I tried to pull that. I don't know how good it's so going to be. <laughs> that, you gave that. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good, but I can't feel my face. Yeah. Kind of a look. Yeah. 
I was like, I'm the sort of person who doesn't. I don't I'm, show my teeth. I'm incredulous <laughs> and I feel nothing. But I think you, <laughs> can, you can still move correctly, right? You just can't tell you if can't you tell. You can't, no, like so my the, the right side of my face, I couldn't get the full smile. Could not. Yeah, it does. It does kind of numb the. It actually numbs the muscles. In the, yeah. Okay. So I couldn't. I couldn't actually fully smile. So if I did, so you are you are botoxed. Yeah. If I tried to, it looked like I was sort of weirdly smirking, sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Mm-hmm. So how does it feel to be? So you, you, you kind of dipped your toes in celebrity culture, right? You Botoxed yourself and then you went to a photo shoot. <laughs> That's true. Like, it did feel what very was glamorous. That like? yeah, was I, it, uh, was did you give them some of the blue steel? I, yeah, I, you know, I arrived and they had steel, the cold play. Cold play. They had the place set up already, which was nice. They're like very, very professional people. So you just walk in there and they're like, cool, just sit here. We're going to go. Here's the three shots we're going to do. We're just going to go for it. And this is like a, this is a, it's for my, uh, the school that I went to, the college I went to for their like alumni magazine thing. So, uh, this guy is a paid photographer for the school, but he's still like, for whatever reason, I think he has a good sort of almost fashion photographer vibe where he'd be like clicking around. He's like, nice, nice. All right, look over there. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> think about geese. So mm. yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, it was a nice, I wonder if all that kind of talking experience. and that sort of the stereotyped photographer thing is because they know that if you stop talking, then the person's going to become really self-conscious because they start thinking about how ridiculous it is. For the photographer, by being more ridiculous than the person puts you at ease. Yeah. 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 Imagine if people did this when you were trying to give a, like a talk or presentation or something and the audience would just be like constantly narrating. Yeah. yeah. You'd like, yeah, flip that slide. Mm, (laughs) Yeah. Just think about those graphs. I mean, that is basically what happens in, you know, like when politicians go up and people like clap when they say a certain thing or cheer, you know, like this is basically what happens. Yeah. So I I did get to dip my toes into uh, being a celebrity for a day. Uh, That was good. Feel good. Feel, feel, I felt, well, felt nothing, but I felt half of good way. All right. So again, be, don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. And have fun. And live in your truth. Yeah. You know, live by your principles. <laughs> That's right. Uh, or live by your principles until it makes you be an idiot, in which case maybe step back and yeah. not do that thing. Yeah, Reevaluate yeah. your life. Unfortunately, right. people mostly just steep themselves in that part. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard line to walk. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, like, how can I double down on this? How can I even more? <laughs> Yes. Uh, all right. So let's get on to some questions. These questions uh, come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you would like to get a question asked, or I guess answered, asked and answered <laughs> on the podcast, hop on over there. Give us a question. Technically, you do ask every question that gets I asked. I do. It's like a double ask. I do. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Uh, all right. First question comes from Kulabula, who says, did you try to build an entertainment empire? What the hell does that mean? So, <laughs> so this we got to unpack this because this, this the is past a, tense is throwing me off. Yeah, did we try? Meaning either that we did we, on accident, either we did uh-huh. or we and we succeeded. Right. Oh, I see. Or we tried and failed. Yeah, I was. I, was, <laughs> I heard it on that side of the fence. Yeah. And and it does also presuppose <laughs> that we aren't continuing to try to build an entertainment empire. Where's the question? At what point, when you build an empire, can you just? leave and let it run itself. That's when yeah. it's done. That's when the empire's built. Right. You're building it. Actually, no, I guess does an empire require an emperor is the first question. I think so, yeah. That's what makes it an empire, right? Otherwise, otherwise it's just a to, place. Otherwise you have to convert it into something else like a like an oligarchy. Mm. You know? Yeah. Or a, then it's just like an entertainment, you know, sort of conglomerate or whatever. Yeah. So I think, the, I think the goal would be we don't want to build an entertainment empire because that sounds like a lot of work, you know, being the emperor of yeah. mm-hmm. anything. Uh, so definitely not. We do want to keep expanding. I mean, we're we're working on 
getting merchandise. Mm-hmm. We're working on other secret projects. Uh, <laughs> we have we have a lot I can't of things wait to talk to people about stuff. It's we have a lot of things going on. Yeah, we, we have yeah we have a lot of things going on that we literally can't talk about. It is actually most of what we're doing yeah. right now, and it's driving us crazy. But anyways, well, is it is it the case that emperors tend to die more? from their subjects than say people in an oligarchy. Cause there's less, there's less of a figurehead to like point directly at and kill, you know? Yeah. I think there also just have been kind of fewer historical oligarchies. Why is that? Uh, Cause they all got killed by emperors. Yeah, probably. Mm. It's the inevitable power structure. I think, I think no matter what happens, few. when you get to the top, you're going to die. Somebody is going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. If game of Thrones has taught us anything. Yeah. That's exactly that. That's true. It's lonely at the top of the mountain and then you get stabbed and thrown off the mountain. <laughs> Yeah. Say so well, we shouldn't build this. Here's what, we- <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? You know, is that podcast, How We Built This? This is more like how we thought about building it and then realized we didn't want to get stabbed in the back and thrown off the mountain. <laughs> so we stopped. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something we're just doing what's interesting. And it tends to be that when you do stuff that you're interested in, especially, well, yeah, who, who cares what happens? But I think as you do one interesting thing that might be small, then the next thing you do kind of almost by by virtue has to be slightly bigger it's in video order to be as fun. Yeah. You gotta level up. The numbers know? have to get bigger. Imagine so. if you're playing you know, you're playing like World of Warcraft and you're like, oh yeah, I'm level thirty six and then you like you get to the end of the XP bar and then it's like I'm just kidding you're level thirty five now. You'd be like, what the shit? Yeah. I need to grow I need to grow. I need to grow. I need to become bigger number person. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all we're, we're trying to do. We're just trying to level up. Yeah. We're, right. we're just playing an RPG. So wherever that goes, who knows? Who knows? But again, back to this, back to the tennis analogy. Uh, the outcome is not the important part. The important part is the process. So if on the day to day, if we're trying to do things right and trying to learn from our mistakes and take new and interesting opportunities and have fun, uh, just doing cool stuff, then maybe we'll end up with an entertainment. Yeah. Empire. I mean, I think we got that part down. We've talked about in the past how a lot of times as we get closer to say like the launch of a product. Or once you once we sort of find a something kind of magical about a thing that we're doing, um, the internal mantra very rapidly actually just becomes, "Don't fuck it up." Yeah, right. So it's now we we're having a good time. Just do your best. We're, we're living our truth. <laughs> don't don't throw your hammer at the wrong buddy. Don't numb your face mm-hmm. and go to a photo shoot. Yep. Just, <laughs> just think just think one step just out. Get your just shit one, together, just think Sam. One, yeah. Just think what one step ahead. <laughs> Uh, and you'll be you'll be a good spot. So, all right. Next question comes from Darth Ewok ninety nine. On a previous episode, you talked about building a trebuchet. Have you guys built any other cool things not involving game development? So I think importantly, this for some reason assumes that building a trebuchet is not related to game development, which turns uh, out everything turns out right. everything is everything is everything. If you're doing if you're doing things yeah. right, everything is related to everything because you can see it. You can uh, Adam built a trebuchet in high school Mm -hmm. as a senior project. Yeah. Which through the powers of persuasion Mm -hmm. uh, convinced one of his teachers (laughs) that he needed to do a entire, we had trimesters. We didn't have semesters in our high school Mm -hmm. because it had to line up with sports because sports is the most important thing. Yeah. So, so we had trimesters. So for the final trimester of Adam's senior year, he convinced one of his teachers that the most important thing for him at that point in his life as an 18 year old guy mm-hmm. was to learn about medieval siege weapons yep. and build ligers and trebuchets yeah. and ballistas and all that good stuff. And he worked at a hardware store. So mm-hmm. he had the employee discount yep. to get lumber and whatever <laughs> else to build this. Thing. Yep. And we had a weight set in our basement. And so I also had a source of 200 pounds of counterweight. Right. Which, which is perfect. not easy to. 
to come by 200 pounds of compact weight, yeah. you know, unless you actually have those like plates and stuff. It's or you just go get some concrete because it's pretty heavy stuff. That's where you pour concrete in a bucket or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put it in your teeth um, and then put it on the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Adam yeah. built this trebuchet. We flung coconuts mm-hmm. out of it. Uh, this reminds me of one of those like speech level 100 sort of situations where you convince <laughs> a high school teacher to, to sponsor your credit for building a large piece of siege weaponry, which yeah. could easily have killed any one of us who were operating it. Well, that thing yeah. swung. It, had a, it was very cool. It had it a very violent. It had a sharp nail sticking out of the. So like, oh, there's, yeah. it's like it's, it's this long <laughs> shaft, and then it has a like a spike on the end of it yep. that you would then loop like loop the the sling around right yeah. like if you were standing in the wrong spot and that thing whipped up it would just it would, just it would eviscerate yeah. a person <laughs> yeah i mean it, would, it wouldn't feel great it would not Probably. feel great yeah uh, unless you were numbed because mm-hmm. you just got back from the dentist yeah, so hey, what um, else did we build i mean we built, I also built spud guns we did a lot of, we built spud guns we, we almost we, blew mom's leg off with the spud gun we built a yeah. lot of not because we shot her. I want to clarify. <laughs> we were aiming at mom with the spud gun. The back gun. of the spud did. gun exploded yeah. and yeah. shot We off. shot her with the back of the spud gun. <laughs> uh, we built lots of explosives. Uh-huh. So we would go to Walmart and you could buy rocket engines there. So you buy like a C6, I think. C4, C6? Is that what the size F. is? They're, they're F's. Now. No, uh, F's. No, those, those are the are huge those are solid Oh, yeah. that black solid stuff. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. So C was the biggest one. That we would go buy a bunch of rocket engines and you take them home and then you just like take a screwdriver and just like poke it a bunch and get the black powder out of there. Yep. And then put it into a sealed object. Now, obviously, you shouldn't do any of these things yeah. that we're talking about. But it is very fun. If <laughs> but to be clear, <laughs> which you won't, you absolutely won't do and not. should not do it. We don't probably these days, like this was back, you know, this is back when. This was in the 90s. This was in the 90s. You could do anything. You 90 kids. You yeah. know, you know what we're um, talking about. You kids now, you'd probably be thrown in jail immediately. Yeah. So definitely don't do any of this. Kids but. were tougher back then, you know. If kids these days, they just die. Yeah. Uh, yeah so but was, we, we grew, I mean, we grew up in the middle of Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, the middle of Iowa, in out several miles outside of a very small town. So even when we go to town, there's nobody around. But then outside of town, <laughs> there's really nobody around. So you could shoot off a bottle rocket you could do you could make a potato gun you, you could, could make a trebuchet you could take like a whole pack of bottle rockets grind up all of their explosive powder put it in a box and then explode that yep. yeah that was also which thing are things that these or are you things take, that we somehow yeah. survive or you could take a pack of 144 little bottle rockets because that's what size they come in throw it into a bonfire and then run in circles around it trying to dodge all <laughs> Which we did not do. Definitely didn't do Totally it. didn't also do Also recommend you don't do it either. Oddly yeah. specific dream. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, uh, Adam also built, I don't know why you were always building very dangerous things. Uh, <laughs> like, just like to live dangerous. Again, right? for his, at the end of his senior year, built a bonfire that was so huge. Oh, that was a good bonfire. We had to call the fire department. We let them know. We told them. They came anyway. They came anyways because it was visible from town, it which was, was six <laughs> miles away. <laughs> It, the flames towered over the fully grown oak tree that was that next was at to least the like a, <laughs> at least a forty foot flame off that. Thing. It was huge. You yeah. couldn't get within like fifty feet of it because it started like hurting your body. It was a little warm. Now I mostly it was incredible. I yeah. just made like stop action movies and oh, yeah, basically yeah. anything. I did a lot of film production when I was in high school, so I made a lot of films, music videos, short films, feature length films, stop clay, claymation. What was stuff. that whack movie you made? The the Fantastic Friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Then we made Equation 6. Yep. Which was, is that, a, that might be on the internet. Is that on it the internet? could be. Yeah. We, sure. we made a lot of movies that we, you know, it's, as with all things, when you first get started with something, you think what you're doing is good, or rather you're too proud of it to question it. And uh, 
It turns out in retrospect, you look at something <laughs> 10 years later and you're like, oh my God. But also, but, but then again, you know, the, the problem is you can't compare what we were, what we were doing in like high school versus what kids today can do in high school because of the change in computer yes, technology. We had right? no, we had no, like a fucking after effects. Limited, yeah. We had very limited access to software to do anything. And we also had no frame of reference because YouTube didn't exist. Yeah. So we couldn't see what anybody else was doing or what is even like a mark of quality. And so we right. just did stuff. And everybody, everybody else good. around us was like, I mean, I guess that's good. And we're like, I don't Great. know. I haven't seen anything either. I've never seen things We're before. in the dark ages. Yeah. Did yeah, because YouTube, YouTube popped up like around the time that we, that, see, Adam and I were in college around the time YouTube yep. started up. So, and Sam, you were early high 14, school. 14, 15. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean- yeah, but we just we just kind of made shit up and did it. We had no idea whether it was the right thing or not, but we didn't care because we were just having a good time and living by our principles. That's <laughs> right. Now I'm thinking about like, did I build anything? I don't think I did. You built relationships. I built friendships. Sam was a social butterfly. That's yeah. all I did though. Yeah, I was too busy, you know, being angsty and trying to not do sports, even though I felt like I had to, and then doing them anyway and being really bitter about it. <laughs> yeah, and also well, I just I, didn't do. I them. put I was I was really into swimming in high school. I put Adam into the unfortunate scenario where we had one shared vehicle mm-hmm. between between Adam and me and I wanted to be on the swim team. Swim team was at six o'clock in the morning. I was going to, the only way for me to get there is to drive or else our parents would have had to get up early and then drive. You know, they're not doing that because we live way outside of town. So, so I left Adam with the unfortunate decision. Do I, as an angsty teenage boy, <laughs> high school student, do I ride the bus to school? Oh with, yeah. That was the- <laughs> with all these kids. Yep. All these little Who kids on the bus. Yeah, because it's only kids that ride There's the bus. There's always kids yeah. on the bus. Do I ride the bus to school or do I wake up at 5.30 every mm-hmm. morning and swim for 3,000 yards and almost vomit every day because of how hard it is? I'll take option B. I will do the <laughs> swimming. Yep. You know, it's interesting now if you're like, all right, this huge bus full of children will come and pick you up at your door. Like which basically right what happened right there, like within a block, and then just take you directly to the place you're trying to go to and drop you off for free. For free, I would be on that bus. <laughs> full, full of children, though. I don't give a shit. Children are gross and they're full of diseases. That's God, true, but that wasn't like that wasn't your because now because you're gonna pay for like yeah, it's free, sure. Yeah. But you're gonna pay for that and all the diseases that you're gonna. <laughs> maybe get I'm gonna out. maybe I'm actually gonna be paid a dividend by how big my immune system's powers will grow. I mean, if you live through it, that's yeah, true. yeah, that's fair, yeah. So, you know, we all had different uh, sort of life priorities I think, at that time. So, just, yeah. All right. Next question comes from Metron, who says, hacking is a recurrent topic on the podcast. But what does it entail exactly? People fiddling with save files or is it more subtle? Do you find this happens more on a specific platform or are PC, iOS and Android equally plagued by this? They're all plagued enough by it that it matters to us. And it doesn't yeah. matter well, the difference between them. It depends. There are only certain kinds of hacking that have an impact on us, which we've also kind of talked about, right? So the question is, what is hacking? It just means doing something that wasn't intended. Um, right. So how do you on, do like, Purposely that? doing something that wasn't intended, kind of for the sake of it, right? So, so, so the, ha- the way that the hacking often works is the game, while the game is running, most of what you're seeing uh, exists in your device's RAM, so all the in data, memory. yeah, in the in the device's active memory, and so all the stuff that you're seeing happening is actually it's stored somewhere. 
and it's really fast because it's in RAM, and so your device is constantly like storing variables and storing images and stuff and retrieving them really, really fast. And so what a lot of these uh, hackers will do is a hacker who's on actually- PC a, in particular. Yeah, on PCs especially, is, is a sophisticated person who knows how these things work will uh, figure out what the game is doing in RAM, and then they'll write a program that basically freezes the game and combs through all the data that the game has dumped into RAM, and then they'll try to change stuff, like in real time. Uh, so if you go... so but I do it, want to clarify, though, that when you say a sophisticated person with a program, you mean some group of sophisticated people built a program that does this in the general sense. Yes. So that people then, who don't know anything at all... Will try to do go this. Do it on try to do it on everything. Yeah. And yeah. So, so the trouble is, like, in, in the device's RAM, it's not the case that you can just go, like, just, like, search for the word like bombs and be like, I want to see how many bombs I have. Mm -hmm. It's just literally just a pile of gibberish. It's just, just an incomprehensible set of numbers. You don't know how they're separated or what they mean. Right. And so basically what, and this is where as Sam was saying, it becomes like sort of a problem is people go in there and then they change things that they have no idea what they're changing, break it. And then they send us an email and just tell us, hey, the game crashed. I don't know. And then we also did an enormous amount of work to make sure just that the game, as it's designed, doesn't just suddenly do the wrong thing and, and change some value the wrong way or something that will cause it to break. We have an enormous amount of effort that goes. That's mostly what, what programming is, right? Is telling it what to do and then finding all the ways that that could go wrong. But we don't we don't program in the hopes of defending against somebody literally fiddling with values as they're stored in memory. That weren't know? meant to be that a weren't, certain way. Yeah, that weren't yeah. meant to be a certain way. That's that's not a way that anybody programs except in the context of like super security kinds of software, right? Yeah. So the, the most in the most general sense then the the hacking that's done is actually on the broad scale is done by a bunch of people who have pulled down a program that oftentimes actually will do this automatically. So we've talked about this in the past with in app purchases, there's a there's a bunch of different programs you can download to your phone that will just listen uh, for a game to boot up, essentially, and then automatically submit all of the uh, in app purchase requests as fake ones and get you all the stuff. Uh, the problem is, of course, that in in the case of someone who doesn't know what what that's actually doing, they didn't build it; they just got the program that does it for them. They're like, oh, I'm just getting free things now. Yeah, they don't realize that they're literally committing. Fraud in that case, yes, yeah, and might also be sending all kinds of your private information to a hacker who yeah, made right. some software, which is very likely. Yep. yep. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean that, that's the interesting thing to me about the you're hacking, sort of losing in all fronts, <laughs> right? Right. The, the vast majority of people um, who do it don't understand what's actually happening, and as a result, that's that's actually what creates all the work. The, the truth is, I think the hackers that are actually hacking never talk to us. Because why would they? They're the ones that are writing the software. Yeah. That <laughs> you got nothing to say. Yeah, and again, mostly like we we don't. Care, don't care about that. We, we care when it becomes me. our problem. Right. right. So the, yeah. So the people who send us support requests, we spend an entire two days trying to track down their weird bug that we've, that nobody's ever seen before, just in case it's an actual problem. And then finally, after two days, we, we pry it out of them. Did you, did you do something to the game? Like, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I broke it, but you know, I still think um, my favorite one though was, was with the, when that kid set his clock to negative time. Yes. So that nothing in the world could spawn. Right. Because things that <laughs> things that spawn in the world, they also need to remember when it was the last time that they spawned. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then they compare that to see, should I be respawning? Now they all be... spawned in the future. Now they all, yeah. Now in negative time, the current time is now way before the last time they spawned. Yep. Which 
the the check was basically how many minutes has it been since the last time I spawned? Mm-hmm. And if it's greater than 20, then do whatever, mm-hmm. right? But if it's negative 3,000, that is definitely not greater than 20, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you never, so like they would, they would chop down stuff and it would literally never come back because <laughs> it's negative time now. Yep. So animals wouldn't spawn. Nothing spawns. Yeah. It was. What, what a creepy thing. <laughs> man, I really hope when everybody always talks about our universe being a simulated thing. Hopefully nobody says the clock. Yeah, I'm like, man, there could be, yeah. you could really easily just break everything with one variable change. Yep. <laughs> All right. So next question comes from Peeb Nuts. One, <laughs> two, three. It's like All peanuts, right. but there's a B in the middle. Peeb Nuts. One, two, three. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, hi, shenanigans. I would like to hear your thoughts on game trailers. What is the purpose of a trailer? How does one maximize its effect? I have a personal gripe about trailers that aren't related to the game experience. Most trailers. Discuss. Mm. Well, so here's, here is the trouble. I think you have to understand that, uh, that a studio or a marketer or whatever else is, is put under, which is that a game is a thing that you can only ex- under, understand once you have actually experienced it in terms of playing it. So the problem with trailers is that unlike a movie, which is the trailer is in the medium of the movie. Uh, trailers by themselves are essentially actually completely different. It'd be like making a trailer for a book. It's a similar sort of thing. Like it's not the, <laughs> it's not really the appropriate medium by which for you to experience the, the thing itself. So mm-hmm. in this regard, it's actually not, it's not a good idea to be mad about trailers that don't have anything to do with the play experience because none of them have anything to do Even with the Even if play all experience. they're showing is gameplay, you're still actually, showing lies. You actually have no concept of what the game is right. like to Because I'm, I'm sure you've had this before where you, you pick up a game that you're really excited about because you saw the trailer and it's like awesome. And you play it and maybe you play it for like 10 minutes and then you you sort of understand what it actually is. Uh, and then you, uh, you're done. Or the, the inverse happens where you see a trailer, you're like, I'm not interested in that. And then sometimes, sometime later, one of your friends says, oh, you should really try Crashlands, for example, it's it's not a shitty crafting game like all the other ones. And you play it, and you're like, oh, this is this is actually something I enjoy, but I couldn't figure that out by the trailer, which of course you couldn't. Um, so I think that that's one little note. There is like it's the it's unfortunately it's the best medium we have to offer a comparable experience to what playing is like, and just sort of get the visual flair going. But it does not do games much of a service in terms of actually showing you what they're about, unless. We do this. Uh-huh. Mm. We make a game trailer. That is a game? That is a game. Uh-huh. It's like a WarioWare-esque sort of like rapid series of snapshots mm. of things that you're doing in the game, but where you have to do those things. Well, this kind of sounds like a demo, if you will. No, not a demo. A trailer. Because a demo is like a contiguous. It's like, yeah, free cut down oh, contiguous saying, version of the game. I'm saying we make <laughs> a whip snap people. Yeah. We make it, we make it like a, a two minute long gameplay experience that rapidly right. shoots you from one part of the game to the next. And just quickly, like all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck? Where am I? And then there's like a line of dialogue where some characters like, rah, rah, rah. they say something snarky right. and you're like, Oh, hey. and then it's like, that's <laughs> to the next thing. But th- th- so this is the weird thing too, about especially especially trailer is, right? certain games work very well for trailers actually. And oftentimes it's ones that have more of an action oriented component to them. Because you can at least see what's happening there. But if someone, like, you can't do, in the case of a trailer where you're trying to get across the fact that there's, like, a grand narrative at play, there is no way to effectively do that while also, like, maintaining someone's attention and also showing all the other game systems. 
because what ends up happening in the case of Crashlands, like we have to cut between action sequences and then basically all we did was goofy dialogue was the only stuff we chose because we knew that we, we could say that there's a really good story, which is all we did, but there's no way for us to show you in like 30 seconds alongside everything else. We can't else. show you a 60,000 word exactly. so we have 40 to hour story. So I think uh, the, the whole purpose of a trailer is, unfortunately, I think this is the thing to understand, is actually just to get you very, very excited about being able to play the game. It, yeah, it, it's not necessarily it's about the idea of the game, correct. Not, not the execution. Yeah. And I think this is where a lot of the friction comes in. If you look at No Man's Sky, I think it's a perfect example of this thing falling apart. Yeah, you really can't talk about this without talking about No Man's yeah. Sky. <laughs> so their trailer did such a good job of selling the idea. Absolutely, like a phenomenal job of doing it, but did not obviously clue most people into the actual execution of the thing because mm-hmm. it can't because it's a trailer. Well, and, I, and I think also there's an important problem there which is sometimes the trailer can say can say so little that or or can hint at things enough but not explicitly say things where it leads to a lot of speculation Mm -hmm. um which is what happened in their case and then instead of as the developer now the responsibility is on you to make sure that you do things to make it clear what is actually happening in the game so i think in in the case of a game as far as the speculation aspect goes, like you do actually want to seed some of that into the trailer, but oftentimes you want to do it about things that are not the game. So the narrative, for example, you're leave, leaving a sort of like having some cliffhangery stuff, wrapping the overall mechanical production of, of the trailer is really, is a really nice way to get people excited and then sort of hanging. But on the narrative, they know they don't know what's going to happen in the narrative, but they have an idea of how the game plays. I think a good way to do is to say, you won't believe what happens next. Just like have that line of dialogue. It's perfect. Right? That's and like then, my favorite Fade to black. Perfect. Because then, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's going to have to yeah. click on that. NPCs hate him. Yeah. He <laughs> won the game <laughs> yep. with this one weird trick. Yeah. yeah. So I think that the reality is that trailers are, are their explicit purpose is and should be to, to sell the idea of the game because they cannot sell the execution. Um, that means occasionally, especially if you have unscrupulous people, you'll have the mismatch between the idea and the implementation or the execution at the end of the day. But hey, that's what happens. Yeah. But trailers are important. Oh, they're incredibly important. It's very hard to figure out how the hell you're supposed to wrap all these things in for all the reasons we discussed. But mm-hmm. but I, I do think, because, so there's a trailer talking about where we're talking about gameplay and how hard it is to kind of show what it's going to feel like and stuff. But there's a question of the value of a cinematic trailer. Mm. So I personally fucking hate cinematic trailers, even though even I might like Probably them for as the a, reason that Pete's for exactly nuts. that reason. Right. I've been actually, also, I like them as an entity cause they're, they're, they're often very cool yep. and, you know, have a good production value and stuff. But, uh, but as a, as a thing to learn about the game, I know like there's, there's just no com- possible comparison between the sense of this, you know, a sweeping, you know, theater experience that, the, that you get in these, in these uh, cinematic trailers and what the game is going to feel like. There, there can't be a relationship actually between those two things. And so I just find them very frustrating because when that's what I'm being shown, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, I just, I want to know what it's going to feel like to play the game. That's what, I, that's what my hope is. So I'm, I'm okay with cinematic trailer. trailers provided that's not the only content available. Yeah. yeah but right. But, right. Sure. So, cause, cause I want to know to me, a cinematic trailer does one important thing, which is it conveys the style of storytelling yeah, yeah. that you're going right. to be getting in the game. So like Blizzard is famous for their unbelievably badass uh, cinematics and cutscenes and stuff. And so you kind of get a sense of, of just like the quality, like the level of polish and stuff that they're going to throw into yeah. well, I do think there's, everything. We've talked a bit, a bit before about the, uh, the concept of the God of the gutters, which is basically providing people enough information and then leaving, leaving blanks in the appropriate places that they fill it in with all the work that you didn't want to do. So in the case of a cinematic trailer, that's like one of the interesting things is that you can essentially show people how you want, how you envision them feeling in the game. And if you get them to watch that first and then go into the game, 
yeah, uh, they're going to have a different experience. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the, the fill it in oh, for you. If if you want to see a great example of this, go go onto YouTube and look up the original uh, World of Warcraft opening cinematic. Basically, what they do is they show you all the different races, like in their fully realized, beautiful 3D environments and stuff, being all majestic and shit, like doing whatever <laughs> they're doing. And then if you idle poses, presumably, <laughs> no, like they're, they're like, they're, full, full they're doing all yeah. kinds of stuff. Like uh, there's a torn and he's like, got this pouch of weird, like magic powder. And he like sprinkles it out into the wind. And then he's like, <laughs> like makes a, <laughs> makes a weird cow noise, you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh-huh. like he's all covered in trinkets. And like you see thunder bluff in the background with all these totems and stuff. And then you go into the game and it's literally nothing like that. <laughs> It's like vanilla wow graphics. We're talking 2004 level. I guess it's, the game started production in like 2000. Yeah. So like. Uh, the thing is you you pull that through. Yeah. And so so, so when I came in there, I'm like, oh my God. And when, when I saw Thunder Bluff on the horizon, even though it was clearly a sort of a very down resed version <laughs> of what I saw in the cinematic, I was just like, shit, like that's the place where that cow dude was sprinkling magic fairy dust <laughs> off the cliff, you know. Uh, this is incredible. <laughs> but, oh wait, but here's a question. <laughs> So now if you're talking, you know, vanilla World of Warcraft, right? So yeah. I think roughly three thousand years ago is when that came About, out, right? Yep. So yeah. So you knew when you were buying that game, you've you've seen computer games before. You know what to expect when it comes to computer generated graphics. But the thing in is like, that era. Yeah, right? but the graphics were still amazing for their time. Right, right, yeah. So, no, absolutely. <laughs> I but, didn't think much of it at the time, but yeah. But you you did not for a second watch this beautiful cinematic trailer, right? And think the game could look like this. Right? I mean, I, I didn't, I kind of did, but, but not like, I wasn't disappointed. Yeah. yeah but not, Cause I knew, not I knew realistically. Yeah. I knew it yeah. couldn't really look okay, like that. Yeah. But, but now take like blizzard to blizzard today. So blizzards in game graphics, like, yeah, the, most of their games are still pretty old now. So, uh, cause like what their newest one is still, I guess overwatch is overwatch. Yeah. Yeah. Look at those fucking graphics. Yeah. Spectacular. Right. And their shorts. Their CGI the same is the same. Yeah. yeah. So now you watch a cinematic trailer for like overwatch and actually like to me, those are perfect because Everything is actually the same. They're trying to convey personality of characters and they, and they do actually, does actually do a really good job. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, and also there isn't an expectations mismatch. Cause when you watch that thing and you, you understand as a person who plays video games and watches movies, right. You understand that you are watching CGI, right. And you're that you're, you're watching a movie experience. And then when you go play the game, actually in the case of like Overwatch, you get to be really pumped about just how fucking well, they, close it is, how yeah. close that is. Right. And they got, if you're to play World of Warcraft forever go, you get to be pumped at, Still how awesome the game looks compared to every other game you've played. And you, when you watch the trailer, you didn't honestly expect it to look like that, right? Right. But now you look at all the games in between these, right? And now, now it starts to get a little messy because in, with modern tech, we have the ability to do fucking amazing things in CGI and in games. And in fact, that tech is basically the same now. And so, you know, you can kind of, if you see a super amazing cinematic trailer, you actually kind of have a right to expect the game to look yeah, like it's that. It's no longer that unreasonable. Yeah, right. Because cinematic be trailers used to convey the, the like the, the idea. just the pure idea of like the world, right? Right. Which which the game couldn't convey because it was right. technologically infeasible. And now, yeah, nowadays it's pretty close. It's close enough that yeah. it, it should not probably depart that far from right. Because the then then it actually starts to become now it starts to feel like you're being misled instead of that you're being given a sense of a thing that the game can't provide. Now let me ask you this: What do you think about? Because there's a lot of scenarios where you'll see games this. This happens every E3. Mm-hmm. Games get demoed on stage at E3 for things like the PlayStation, which is a fixed piece of hardware. Yeah. Right. And they'll show they'll show like a, a gameplay trailer of it. And it's clearly beautiful. It has these amazing graphics and stuff. And then what actually lands on the 
on the device at the end of the day is a highly down-resed version of that thing right. because it turns out that video came from a high-end production PC that they mm-hmm. were like rendering the gameplay onto, right? Right. So what about that? Is that is that bad? I mean, I think, it, <laughs> I think it probably is, but it also depends on what you're valuing as a as a as a user in that context. Right? What's your truth here? Where's your truth, right? I don't care but about I think, graphics. But. Well, the thing is, is, I don't actually care about Some graphics either. But but to me, it's it's that feeling of somebody misleading you. Right? Feeling scruples. Yeah, because because if, if I so if I was really into like whatever the most modern, super crazy first person shooter with perfect realistic graphics, modern murder seventy three, whatever face yeah. shooter edition, exactly. Mm-hmm. So if I was into that game and and I watched the E three announcement, I saw this fucking amazing trailer with like just all this cool stuff. All these faces getting shot. And then I go pay 60 bucks and get the game and like I can't even see a person's head explode. Yeah. Right. It's just like just redness instead of guts and brains. Yeah. Right. Uh, Like I'm going to feel like I was intentionally misled. Yeah. You know. And so that's the interesting line you have to strike. It doesn't actually matter. Like I don't actually care that I'm not seeing brains. Right. But I do care that I feel like somebody tried to mislead me. Yeah. So had the game looked like that originally. Yeah. It's fine because it doesn't actually change much. Right. Well, I actually just watched. So there's a there's a game coming out, I think, called Metronomicon, which is like Mm -hmm. a it's a RPG slash uh, almost like a DDR game. So your characters are lined up and you do the DDR dance with your character to make them like do stuff. And it's all bouncy and fun. And they just put a trailer out today, which was a, it's a live action trailer, which I don't know, like there's been a few more of these recently. So I don't know what the deal is, but ever yep. since this, what was, was that a, game, it might be part straight, of this problem straight, because straight did. yeah, because of the fact that now people can't tell whether your cinematic trailer is gameplay or not. Now you have to be like, look, it's definitely not gameplay. These are real people, right? This right. is now real yeah. life. So well, well, what they did though is they, it's basically like, it's a live action version of it's someone playing the game and then, you know, things get more and more ridiculous as time goes on where the characters end up coming out of the game and like trying <laughs> right. to suck them in or like in the example if you want to see an example of a just a ridiculous trailer that is by itself a crowning piece of entertainment is the strafe gameplay trailer or not gameplay trailer but just strafe game trailer um which got everybody very hyped about the game uh game turned out pretty game medium, turned out pretty medium. <laughs> i had a lot of problems medium but, meaning like 60 percent on steam yeah, yeah, yeah. but that. would Literally you feel medium. like you were misled by that trailer like no, you just felt like you you bought two entertainment products, right? One was right. free, that was awesome. The other one you had to pay for, that was less Medium. awesome. But, I was I, for you know. me, it was more like I want to buy this game so that these people make more trailers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now, but let's then circle this back. Yeah. About like, what's a trailer for, right? What if it's just a way to demonstrate to your audience that you know how to entertain? You know them? how to make an entertainment product. Yeah. yeah. That's and to it, me what a, if that's to thing, me what a cinematic trailer. Is. Right. Yeah. yeah. If if your thing clearly stands alone, like as a product, if your if your trailer does so. If it's a cinematic trailer, that's clearly a cinematic trailer, and it's meant to convey the sheer power of your studio, right? Uh, and the the your ability to tell a story and to get me to feel a certain way. If you can do that, then I'm gonna be like, okay, you could probably pull it off in this game, I mean, which I a, clearly know is a different thing. It's a credibility booster. It's a credibility booster. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say about so something like the the Crashlands trailer, which is done under zero budget? Yep. Because we just we don't have time nor money to do any sort of CGI fanciness. Mm-hmm. So. And the case of something like that where we took gameplay, but then layered in the entertainment aspect. Right. Such that even if you don't know what you're looking at, you're probably going to be having a pretty good time. Yeah. Um, where does that strike the balance in terms of, because the thing is. And we, I think it's the right move because we made an entertainment product first. We did. But we, we got a few questions from people because they're like, I thought the game was going to be a little more, not in a bad way. They're like, I loved how chilled out it was, but yeah, I thought yeah. it was going to be a little, feels more a little more actual whack. crazier. Yeah. <laughs> And we're like, yeah. no, we're not going to, we're not going to slam on the gas for 40 hours. Like that, you would be exhausted by the time you roll up at the end of the game. For us, it was really yeah. a matter of, we looked at what basically most game trailers do. I've, you know, we, 
we get the comment a lot about the similarities between our trailer and uh, Battle Block Theater yes. trailer. And it is true that we looked at that trailer and we were like, these guys know how oh, to yeah. make a fucking trailer. Yeah, purposeful. We, were, we were rolling on the floor laughing. Uh, one important distinction is uh, our trailer is literally about the game. It's if you if you actually listen to what we're saying, like yeah, we're making jokes, but it, they were listing features of the game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about how many recipes there are, but we're doing it in a jokey way. Uh, and in their in their trailer, they just made shit up. They're it's like hilarious. it has an Oculus support for five simultaneous Oculuses, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, we took a very different angle on the thing. Um, but it was the case that that was a, a totally unique trailer. We had never seen anything like that before. And most trailers are just gameplay footage with sort of epic music yep. on top. Like we definitely don't want to go that way there. So for us, I think, I think the trailer was more of, of displaying like, Hey, we're going to be doing things differently than what most game studios right. do. That was, that was kind of the goal with it. Mm-hmm. I think. But, and, and with the battle block theater trailer, like I, when I watched it, that's why I bought the game from watching. Well, actually, no, it was the battle block theater steam, steam trailer yeah. because yeah, the yeah, original yeah. trailer, again, just gameplay footage with music. Yep. On Although it was still, it. I think there's still, they still had some personality. No, there I think one. it was just, was there none in there? just gameplay one. with yeah, music. Shit. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that explains why I didn't buy it until like a year and a half after it came yep. out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So who knows? I mean, trailers—they're hard. All right. Next question <laughs> comes from comes from minus five charisma. Hi, Butterscotch crew. Hope your week is going good. I'm curious. When was the moment when you realized that this whole making games for a living thing might just work? First, Have a good one. Right, first, first, we have to roll to find out if his charisma influenced us enough to answer this question. Well, I mean, obviously not. His mind is fine. <laughs> That's so, what I'm saying. But he's got a lot of strength. I think we don't, don't we need to become just very aggressive. I think we had this conversation the last we, time. I know we did, but we answered it the last time because I guess he had a favorable dice roll or we decided to let it slide. We so, need to be... I just want to make sure we're being... That we're thinking things through and not be being a, idiots. Yeah. Good DM. We need to make sure that we have our uh, D20s with us for every question we answer, just in case we actually know the charisma of the asker. <laughs> so we also don't know if he just has negative five charisma or if he just has a modifier, you know. Maybe he is five, a yeah. spell. Maybe actually, maybe he just cast negative hey, five charisma on so us. So how would you answer this if you had five less charisma than you do? I think I would just sit here in silence. <laughs> yeah. So you you only have five charisma? Is that? Yeah. yeah. That's it. You ran out. There's no charisma left. Right. Zero. Right. Just mute. Um, I think the moment was really the first. For for me, it was really early. And it, was, it wasn't actually that I realized it would work. It was more like I became determined to make it work. Right. Well, it was once I realized that it was possible for me to physically make a video game just of any quality or size, then that low would, bar to jump. Yeah, over. <laughs> it's like I can put things on a screen, and when you push a button, shit happens. Yeah, but the right? difference between that and having no idea is actually enormous. Yeah, it's just you just need to, it's the lack of context. Yeah, right? so for me, then context. it was October twenty sixth, two thousand ten. It's very specific. That's very yeah, specific. which was the what day. time of day. Uh, it was about 8.30 p.m. Nice. Wow. When I activated my Game Maker license and I put X plus equals five. And then I saw a weird guy that I drew sliding across the screen. <laughs> and I was like, a uh, humble beginning. Actually, no, my first game was Dragon Bearzilla. I remember that. Where I had a, I, put, I made these shitty looking buildings in like MS Paint. And, and I had, they had two, they had two sub images. One was where it was 
standing and the other sub image where the building was kind of like half exploded. And then, uh, and then you were this little like ball shaped giant dragon slash bear slash Godzilla that was flying above the city. You'd hit a button and then a fireball would come out only at a very specific angle. Cause I didn't know how to <laughs> aim it. So the fireball would come down at like downward at a 45 degree angle toward the buildings. And when you hit a building, it switched its image to show like it was destroyed. Nice. That was my first. And I was like, okay, well, I guess this is my career now. Time to make World cool. Warcraft. We're good to go. I think the thing was like 80 by 80 pixels too. It was very, it was very top tier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I think, uh, I mean, for all of us, it was probably a similar thing where it's just, it's more about seeing that you can do it and then casting yourself forward and saying, if I keep doing if this, if I keep doing it, will this go to where I want it to in a reasonable time frame? And the answer was yes. Yeah. And well, this, the answer was made it yes. Maybe. Yeah. So this, yeah. This, this also comes back to, again, it all loops back to what we're talking about at the beginning. Um, so we were we, earlier today, we were talking about lifting weights and uh, we were talking about how, how Adam, you were saying how your metric is what, whatever I'm lifting, just put one third of that mm-hmm. on. Yep. And then that's what you're going to do. Um, I, just, I just use Seth's lifting as a reference guide, right? A handy, hand, little handy, handy dandy reference. But here's the important part. If all you cared about was how much weight you were lifting, you wouldn't go back mm-hmm. because you're like, shit, I'm only lifting one third. Right. Yep. Um, but the important part is recognizing the purpose of the thing that you're doing and why you're doing it and not being hyper fixated on the, the outcomes, uh, especially early on in the process. Right. Yeah, Cause the outcomes at the beginning are garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lift a lot of weight. You're not going to run very fast. You're, you're not still going to have noodly arms. You're not going to make good games. You're mm-hmm. not going to, write anything good. Nobody's going to care about anything you're doing. Rightfully so. Yep. (laughs) Um, Nothing you do early is good. And if all you care about is making a good thing, then you're just going to be endlessly disappointed. Right. And so you're going to continue to find reasons why you shouldn't do that thing. Yeah. And so early on in the process or early on in sort of learning these new skills, it's, it's really all just all about falling in love with the act of doing the thing and, and becoming really passionate about trying to improve the ways in which you do stuff and trying to learn as much as you can about doing those things. And that's, what's going to get you there. And I think for me, that was kind of early on. It was just like, just fiddling with the, with game maker and trying to figure out, uh, what, like what I could do next. It was never about like, how do I turn this into world of Warcraft? It was just like, now that I have the dragon, how do I aim this fireball? Right. right? And then that's the next problem to solve. And so really just kind of like just one problem after problem after problem after problem. And if you just do that for years, then eventually you're just making all kinds of shit Mm -hmm. and you can do whatever you want. So, yeah. 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 All right. Next question. Last question uh, comes from Rad Habit. Have you thought about jumping on the pixel art wagon? This Mm -hmm. is not a bandwagon, but it's just a regular just it's a, a really down res wagon. wagon. Uh, yeah, the wheels it has a are, lot of sharp corners. <laughs> the wheels are square. Watch your butt. It doesn't yeah. go very fast. <laughs> uh, or do you think pixel graphics are overdone? Do you think good art can make a bad game good and bad art make a good game bad? Just I wondering. Like these are song lyrics. All, hypo- <laughs> all hypothetical. I love your art style. Don't change. We, he put a lot of exclamation marks <laughs> in. I think he's worried that by asking this question, he's going to. His influence is, is quite great. Well, I think he's got so, plus five charisma. Well, so let's talk about why you do pixel art in the first place. And the big, so we've, we have actually explored, we've done, we had one game that we did that wasn't in pixel art, but it was in vectors that were just squares. 
So yeah. it was my version of Pixar because I didn't want to pick up some stupid ass pixel program. So I made them in Inkscape. <laughs> you made squares in Inkscape, which is probably the most processor intensive way a person could make Very, pixel art. Yeah, about right. <laughs> um, in any capacity. And that was the game called uh, Shucks. It's up on oh, our, yeah. our bscotch.itch.io uh, page, I believe. Yeah. Um, yes. So if you want to play it, you can check it out. And we made it in eight hours. So the the idea behind going with something like Pixart is, is you know, early on, especially, especially early on, but, but even later, picking up some constraints that offer a blend of essentially familiarity to people where they see a Pixart game and they say, oh, I've seen something like this before. So that's good. That kind of gets you in the door a little bit. Um, and then being able to do some sort of twist on it to make it your own uh, is sort of the the recipe by which you can both have an extra constraint that helps you get stuff done and not, you know, for example, if you had, you know, 4K textures that you're painting, that is a very different amount of work that you're doing now uh, to achieve basically what is at the end of the day, maybe the same gameplay. And so Pixlar in a sense is sort of a, it, it's a good, it's a really handy constraint to have and it makes it so you can't get too worried about stuff. And if you start strapping on additional constraints like color palettes, for example, with even a Pixlar game, not only do you end up making something usually that looks pretty good, because mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of patches of color. Um, but you make something that you make fast. And in the case of trying to simultaneously, you know, for example, develop an aesthetic skill, develop uh, some actual gameplay programming and design skills, that can be the difference between you becoming a really good designer who then maybe at some point wants to breach out of something like pixel art uh, and make something, you know, grander and uh, from an art sense. And you maybe just flailing around making shaded paintings for a long time. So I think it's a it's a fantastic constriction point. And and then if you get really good at it, the whole point is that just like any particular skill, uh, there's no there's no end to how far you can push the quality. And if you look at something like Al Boyle, you're well, not eventually exactly you run out of pixels, but eventually you're basically painting, so you may yeah. as well. Uh, but if you look at a game like Al Boy, which is what they call it, high bit, um, it's all pixel art, but it is ridiculous. Very beautiful. high res. Um so there, there's no limit to to the the place you can put. I don't I don't necessarily think they're overdone. I think it's just the case well, that no, well, it's, it's an easier. It tends to be viewed as an easier medium to perform in and right. make a. And I don't it, think it actually is faster. I, and I it I I think it, it will be for be certain things. For yeah. certain things, absolutely. Uh, but I, I think there I think the reason that there's a perception that it's overdone is because there's also a perception that if you're not good at art, that you should start with pixel art. Like right. that's that's the entry point, right? Uh, because Pixel art is faster and easier. Because these constraints, right? Because these constraints. Um, but, you know, doing pixel art doesn't, it doesn't allow you to get away with making bad art. Correct. Right? Uh, but it does hide it a little bit. So, yeah, which going back to the, the end of the question, which is can good art make a bad game good? Uh, the answer is no, but it can market it effectively. It can make people yeah. buy a game. Can, uh, buy yeah. can bad art make a good game bad? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Well, because also art is a functional component of the game. Yes, it tells it's not you important information. So it's kind of like we we make this joke a lot in the studio about there's that episode of Futurama where Bender like saves the world or something. And he's kind of looking off in the stars. He's like, if you do your job right, then nobody knows anything at all. Like no one knows anything even happened. That's right. And that's kind of the way it is with hitting a level of practicality with the art, putting it up to a level where you see in, in you know a lot of really beautiful games or games that are highly stylized where the art by itself is interesting to look at and add something is sort of the next level. But if you can't even hit the first one, then yeah, you got, you got problems all over the place. Yep. Yeah. But but I do think that there, there was kind of an enormous just surge of pixel art games. That's still, and I mean, it's an ongoing surge, right? It hasn't, hasn't really slowed down. 
But I think it's because of these misconceptions people have when they're just getting into making games. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like the problem that people have with Game Maker, right? Which is that Game Maker sort of, at least in its back in its past, was pointed towards new developers. As a consequence, everything being made, just statistically speaking, in Game Maker wasn't very good Mm because it was being made by people who were beginners, right? So it's uh, not the tool. It's, it's the not marketing the tool. tool. Yeah, it's it's the marketing <laughs> tool. I think pixel art recently has been the same kind of a problem, which is that all these people entering the making of games space uh, believe that pixel art was like the most the viable path. entry point right. for some reason. Which is actually not, it's not unfair to have No, I mean, it isn't even necessarily false, right? right. But, it, but it does also mean though that just like with anything, when you have an enormous number of of people coming into a domain that don't know anything about it, they're going to make medium to bad stuff, right. right? And so now you have this large surge of all of these things that the one thing that they clearly all have in common is pixel art, right? Which actually has nothing to do with anything, anything, right? That actually is a marker of why those games exist in the first place. Um, and so it's easy to say, oh shit, like now pixel art is overdone, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just everywhere. Everybody's doing it. So, on. but there's, but there's a reason for that. And if you make a really stellar game period and it's uses good pixel art, uh, I don't think I don't think you're going to lose because it's pixel art. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, and there, are, there are, of course, there are always angry people on the internet who'd be like, I'm not playing this, it has pixels in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Shut yeah. up. Okay. Or they'll be like, this has pixels in it, but it's not using pixel perfect. Yes. Uh, Those are my favorite. Movement. Here's so, what I'm, you know what? I have a theory though. Hmm. I think you know when something is not overdone, when people are talking about it being overdone. Because the most common game you're ever going to see is just a 3D game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And nobody's ever like, is 3D do you think, overdone? Do you think 3D games are like, do you think there's too many 3D games? It's like, well, no, because why, why are we even talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Or platformers, right? Because a platformer is yeah. now just the basis, like the base element of an enormous number of variety of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so people might call like crafting games overdone, which is weird, right? But really, but there they aren't that call, many of them. There aren't, there, there are almost zero of them. Uh, but then they'll look at platformers and like, and not even have a moment where they'll think, Man, people should make fewer platformers and, and invest their energy in other stuff. Yeah. People don't say, oh, our, shoot, our first person shooters overdone. Are there just too many of them? Mm-hmm. Said like, oh my God, player unknown battlegrounds. Let's get on this. Right? <laughs> um, even though that's an incredibly common game type. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just an interesting thought. Who I knows? think it's, yeah, it's mostly if you make good stuff, it can't be overdone. Yep. Yeah. And one, one other advantage of pixel art is you, at some point, like you're saying us about constraints, with with vectors, you can just keep zooming in and yeah. keep doing stuff, uh, and eventually you are like working on the, the nanoscopic level, mm-hmm. right? But with pixels, you know, you've only got like so many of them, yeah. So it's good. All right, uh, so I think that's all the time we have. So uh, we'd like to thank uh, our studio wrangler Monique for putting this episode together. Our producer Fat Bard for making us sound good, and the B Scotch Dev team Andy Tifa and Sure for continuing to build stuff while we're in here working on the podcast. Uh, we'd also like to thank our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running, and of course, uh, thank you all, our listeners, for coming back every week to listen to our podcast. Uh, if you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, hop into our Discord server, which you can find at bit.ly/bsdiscord. Come say hi. Uh, we also have a mailbox, so if you want to send us actual stuff, like a five-pound gummy bear, uh, you can do that at mailbox. Although again, we still have one of those. So, <laughs> yeah, do so, so choose something similar, but not the same. Yeah, do not send us an actual five-pound gummy bear. We're still working on the last one. Uh, so that's at mailbox.bscotch.net. Also, we don't advertise this show. We depend completely on word of mouth and good reviews. So uh, if you'd like to help us grow and help us get this get this pod into more ear holes, tell your friends. Tell everyone you know, uh, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts and give us some 
give us some five star reviews. You could also shout it from rooftops, you know, just however you like to broadcast your shout news. Shout some rooftops. Make sure that you keep it concise, though, because people only listen to rooftop shouting for yeah. up yeah. to three minutes. You could also get one of those big recola trumpets, you know, and just yell through that. Just kind of gurgle of through it. Yeah, that'll work too. It'll, it'll get the message across. Uh, all right. So thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.